Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this episode, we're going to talk about technology and connection in relation to the episode Dangerous Liaisons, episode five of season five. And we thought that this topic would be relevant because the Obsidian virtual reality lenses premiered in this episode were released worldwide and it was a big plot point and the immersive nature of them put people in danger because of the sort of evil global warming plot that occurred. And obviously, Lean is continuing to develop this mind control technology. Well, and speaking of the global warming thing, that was caused by technology that Lex Luthor developed. Mm, yes. So we're seeing the sort of dark side of technology in this episode, but we also see some instances of technology being used in positive ways, like with Kelly and William. And we'll talk a bit more about how they interacted with the virtual reality tech later on in this episode. But it seems like the season is exploring the ways in which technology both unites us and tears us apart as people. Yes. But before we go on, it's worth pointing out that when we say technology in the context of how it's being used in the show, they're referring specifically to like digital technology, like the virtual reality. We have Lena with her AI. We have some of these like futuristic looking weapons that maybe Lex has created or modified, things like that. But a technology can be anything that has been created by people like through their knowledge and understanding in order to help perform a task or solve a problem. It doesn't have to be like computer based or something really big and fancy. It can be something as practical and straightforward as like a pencil or like cars glasses yes also cars glasses <laughs> or it can be something abstract like intellectual property such as following the steps of the scientific method or using a math formula when you're doing physics or something and one of the other things to keep in mind when you're kind of analyzing technology and its effects on people is that no matter what it is, whether it's a pair of glasses or your smart speaker, we always exist in relationships with the technology around us. We communicate with it and it communicates with us. Like, for example, a door. You have to figure out which direction it opens and how to open it. And it signals that to you and helps you figure it out, usually. The other really big thing in keeping in mind that we do form relationships with any and all technologies that we interact with is that no technology is neutral in the sense of being value neutral. All technology is created by people. People are creating technology for specific purposes. They are creating it based on their mental frameworks, their experiences, and their goals that influences how and why the technology will work the way it does. And that not only has an impact on how the technology will function, but it also impacts the people who use it and bystanders who may be affected by it even if they don't use it. And that's something that we actually saw a little bit in this episode, for example, when there was the disaster happening in the middle of the VR contact lens launch and Alex is trying to clear people out of the way and they don't even know what's happening. Mm -hmm putting not only them, but her as like a law enforcement person who's trying to help them at risk. Yeah. But in terms of technology not being neutral and it being influenced by those who create it, that's something that we're obviously seeing with Lena in this season and in past seasons as well. And with Lex. And with Lillian in her Cadmus experiments. Mm. But I thought it would be interesting to look at our lead character, Kara, and examine her relationship with certain kinds of technology because of the way that they have been 
designed to be used and what functions they serve. Because we know that Kara has been set up kind of like last season as this role model type figure in terms of last season fighting against, you know, xenophobia and this season fighting against the darker sides of technology and how technology is used. And one might understandably ask oneself why Kara when she came from a technologically advanced civilization, Krypton. She had her own Siri-like equivalent <laughs> as a child. Yes. And they also have the robots like Kellex who guards the fortress. Yeah. But Kara likes to be very present with people and in the moment and connecting with them one-on-one as opposed to sort of maybe plugged into a device or consuming media on her own in her own headspace. So my theory is that perhaps Kara sees technology as kind of an obstacle to connection, this broader theme that we're discussing this episode. Mm. And I think that might be tied to her sort of core trauma event of her planet exploding and losing all her loved ones and being sent away in a pod, not only because she lost all of her loved ones, but the the sort of loneliness aspect of it, wherein she was utterly alone for years. And we know that she was awake and aware to some degree. She talked about it with Wynn in Triggers in season three. Mm. And so her whole planet just died. She lost all of her loved ones in her head. She, because of her religion, thinks that they're together in Rao's light. And then she's sort of in this dark phantom zone prison. And she would have only really had, in terms of entertainment or like anything to do, memories or dreams or her imagination in order to cope with the situation. Yeah. And we don't know how long this was going on for either, Yeah, where she was consciously awake and just kind of staring into the void of space. She also mentions it again in season three when she and Monel are going to Argo. Yeah. And I think this ties into sort of why she lands on Earth after all this has happened and we see her very happy to see Cal. And it's sort of a joyful moment for her, despite those circumstances of losing her planet and then having been imprisoned for 24 years because she's not alone anymore. She has people. And I think that interestingly, these experiences may tie into what makes Kara so optimistic because, you know, she has a second chance at life and it's always kind of going to be better than when she was in the pod. Mm. And in terms of Kara and sort of detaching from reality and not being present and that likely having been her reality in the pod to some degree, we see her also detached from reality as a coping mechanism when she's lonely. She talks about this in the Black Mercy episode for the girl who has everything. She reveals that she had been recently imagining herself on Krypton and then says, it's because the past few weeks I've been feeling lost and like I did when I first came to Earth. So I started fantasizing about the same things I used to back then. So obviously this is sort of a recurring coping mechanism she uses. And we kind of see hints of this in season three also. Like she has her dreams of her mom and Monel and, you know, would lie awake at night imagining Monel coming back and was in a very dark place in season three, as we know. And sort of the irony of that situation is, of course, that Kara felt abandoned in that core wound of abandonment open up again because of Monel leaving. And she coped by then detaching herself from her connections entirely. <laughs> a thing you shouldn't do. <laughs> yes. So the conclusion here is sort of that healthy Kara, what that looks like is a car 
Sarah, who is connected to the present reality and to her loved ones and what's happening in front of her. And we see in terms of technology and digital media specifically, which is often used as a form of escapism, as well as the, you know, VR lenses. Kara's engagement with digital media is typically a pretty social act. Like she's sitting watching Netflix with Alex. We heard her talk about it with Wynn, watching Orphan Black in season one. <laughs> and also with Brainy, she's been showing him movies and talking about alter theory, as they said it. <laughs> and then on the flip side, we only really see Kara watch TV alone when she's already sad. It's kind of yeah. a pointed like, this means that she's not happy. <laughs> and then in other situations in terms of Kara just generally relating to the technology that we see on the show, she typically uses it to solve a problem. We saw her use her kind of computer smarts a couple times, but it was with a specific purpose. We don't see her typically do it for fun the way maybe Wynn would. Do you mean like when she goes and manipulates like the Kryptonian? Yes. Or electronics and stuff? Yeah. When she's kind of in more business mode earlier in the season and she like kind of pushes Wynn aside to do something on the computer. And then he's like, oh, you know how to do that. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, in terms of Car being present as opposed to that escapism that may come along with certain kinds of media, we know that connecting to people directly is like Car's superpower, which is aided by her actual super senses. We see her be pretty aware in terms of like her personal relationships as Supergirl. Some of her shining moments were like when she is talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody and connecting to them like in the robbery and human for a day or like in alex episode 19 of season two when she convinces the guy to go back into his cell in order to protect his son and then in this season we see her sort of fail to do this kind of relevantly initially with william who really pointedly refuses to make eye contact with her and we kind of have a little bit more context for that funnily because we know now that he was kind of putting on an act and lying and now that he may have been avoiding eye contact for that reason and in terms of eye contact and like connecting to people and that being Kara's kind of superpower. Then we have the obstacle of the virtual reality slash augmented reality lenses, which literally cover people's eyes in order for them to leave this reality. And Kara does not like it. In the first episode of this season, season five, <laughs> she spilled her coffee because someone was wearing the lenses and she kind of vented about how much she didn't like that <laughs> to the super fam. And then in this episode, she was talking to Jean and said, and now with Obsidian tech everywhere, I mean, everyone's just in these make-believe worlds and it's hard to know what's real anymore. Mm. And that line is kind of resonant in terms of Carr as a character having that experience with the pod. Well, and then also think about in the Black Mercy episode, she had to figure out if that was real or not. Yeah. And then in the episode in Triggers, when she was put mm. back in the pod. With Sai. Yeah. And then with her mind palace coma. Yeah. Carr's had a lot of traumatic experiences with not being sure if reality it was real so mm. i i get where her leeriness there is coming from and also just as someone who's so attuned to sensory stimuli and being aware of everything that's happening around her yeah i think she would not care for being so distracted that she loses track because when she loses track disastrous things could happen <laughs> yeah they sure could. And so this connects to like things that we know that she fears, which are other people feeling the isolation she felt. Like remember her worst fear in the Triggers episode ended up being that she put someone else in that position in the pod and her experience there, which she found so horrific. And then the other thing that she fears, obviously, losing the ability to reach people in order to help them. So it ties into both her like sense of responsibility for people and her feelings of isolation and fear of abandonment. And so this in terms of Carr's fears and then kind of her strengths, uh, her ability to connect to people in a very present way, make her kind of the ideal hero to 
fight the disconnection that may occur in the usage of certain technologies. And as a character, we also see technology as a tool for Kara that she kind of over the years learns to use um, in order to connect to people in a broader sense, particularly obviously with media. And we see her sort of go beyond her impact as an individual and see her as Supergirl become a symbol thanks to Catco and Cap Grant's influence there, particularly in season one. And then obviously the Hope speech was a big moment, which was media being used to fight kind of like literal mind control. Um, (laughs) I wonder if Andrea's VR is going to be used to combat (sighs) Lena's technology. Yes. I like that because, you know, the common fear that media that kids watch or whatever will turn them into like little goblins. I don't know. (laughs) And then to see it being used instead to fight like actual mind control is fun. Mm. Yeah, especially since we don't quite know yet which side of this Leviathan scenario Andrea is on. And we did see her cut Lena off from accessing her technology. So she might just decide to be an opposing force because she's mad at Lena. (laughs) She's mad at Lena. Which would be a really petty reason to help like the hero characters, but (laughs) also probably quite in character. (laughs) And kind of fun, I think. Exactly. (laughs) But in terms of Kara's journey and her relationship with media as a way to connect to people and help them and communicate with them, we obviously have Kara Danvers as a reporter. And we talked a lot about that last episode. We certainly did. (laughs) Yeah, so Kara's interaction with technology kind of like everyone's interaction ranges from positive to negative but in terms of technology and communication and connection and the ways that it can be used it's worth looking at obsidian's virtual reality contact lenses haha looking at them (laughs) kind of like we see with Kara and how she has detached from reality in different kinds of ways, sometimes with technology, sometimes with kind of like daydreaming, or that we see with people in real life with maladaptive daydreaming, the virtual reality technology can be used as a coping mechanism. And a coping mechanism can be obviously a positive thing or a negative thing, depending on how you use it. In this episode, we saw William use it in a pretty positive way. He had been struggling with the urge to confront Andrea with what he knows about her or what he thinks he knows about her and unleash his anger that he's been storing for a long time. Mm. Which is not that different from the way many people will use that kind of visualization as a coping strategy without virtual reality. Yeah. It was cool the way they revealed it too. Yes. And we find out that he used the virtual reality technology to enact his fantasy in order to manage his anger and his urge to confront her. And we've also seen the virtual reality lenses used as a coping mechanism for anger in another character, but with less positive results. Lena, in the first episode of this season, tries to manage her anger, and she talks about this and expresses this to Hope, by envisioning violence against Supergirl and confronting her over and over again. However, she never like plans to deal with it in the real world, whereas William was trying to manage this feeling temporarily. Lena is trying to use the VR lenses as a way to push her feelings into her little boxes. Well, and I would also argue that like William is kind of using the VR to manage his anger because he knows in the outside world he has other means of eventually getting what he wants out of that potential interaction with Andrea, but that it will just take a lot more time. And actually, Lena's doing the exact same thing. 
or at least she was, I actually am not entirely convinced that she was exercising her anger in a healthy way. I actually think she was trying to keep herself angry Mm. so that she would stay motivated to carry out her revenge plan. I think perhaps she had been convincing herself at least that it was to control her anger because she does give that speech. Yes. (laughs) But that's a good point. I think she was doing it to, well, to control her anger so she'd bide her time until she could, like William, act at the right moment. But in terms of like anger and that as an emotion and how you deal with that in a healthy way. Mm. It's sort of like a, a vengeance versus justice situation, I suppose, with William and Lena. I mean, they're both, well, I would say they're equally aggressive, but they're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> Lena punches Kara into a thing that explodes and makes her die. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> William just shouts at his boss. Like, that's a fantasy a lot of people have. <laughs> yeah. Uh- <laughs> I mean, well, I guess both of them are, but... <laughs> I mean, that's true, but one will send you to jail faster than the (laughs) other. (laughs) But in terms of like, if this were just someone picturing it in their head, Mm. what would be within the range of normal behavior in terms of picturing fantasies? But the other thing, of course, is with Lena and how she uses the VR lenses, which I think also may apply to, you know, people in real life, is how often Mm. Lena is using the VR to envision this fantasy. Apparently, she had been spending lots of hours using them and Andrea framed taking the lenses away from her as cutting her off like it's an addiction. But she only did it when it reached the point where Lena was trying to take away Andrea's like proprietary claim to her own technology. Yeah, it wasn't like actually out of the kindness of her heart. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't doing it like they were old friends and she cared about her well-being. <laughs> yeah, she she was using it as kind of like a, I know you are addicted to this thing and I'm going to make you suffer by taking it away. It had a very like dealing with a spoiled child vibe. <laughs> like this is your favorite toy and I'm going to take it away from you because I know you'll be annoyed. <laughs> like a petty older cousin. <laughs> petty older cousin. I feel like that fits Andrea for some reason. <laughs> And in terms of like engaging with technology in a healthy way or an unhealthy way, we see Lena create this echo chamber with literally having this AI who echoes her thoughts back to her. And she will not, you know, take the step of like seeing a therapist to help process her feelings and is using technology as an alternative to that in a way with not very positive results. And in the show, we have a couple instances of the VR lenses being used in conjunction with someone trained or just an another person and it turning out pretty well. We also see sort of a kind of equivalent to the VR lenses with in Cara's case, a coma and in James's case, I don't know, a temporary coma, (laughs) the mind palace that Brainy creates for both of them. Mm, Yeah. And in terms of using the like alternate reality that you conjure up with another person guiding you and helping you, we obviously hear Kelly talk about how she as a therapist has been incorporating the VR lenses into her sessions with patients. And in this episode, she said that someone had been having nightmares for over a year. And then with the VR therapy, they were able to make them stop. Mm. And in terms of, again, Kelly as a therapist, we saw Kelly help Jean restore his memories in episode two of this season. And we heard her talk about her plans to help heal the brains of dementia patients in episode one. In terms of the mind palace and the attic of the mind that Supergirl's attic is named after, Brainy acted as that sort of tether for Kara in her coma in season three. And with his help and with Alex's help, kind of peripherally, Kara was able to break free from her coma, have an emotional breakthrough. And just last season, we saw the Mind Palace come up again with Brainy helping James. And James this season talked about that and how 
he almost got lost in this kind of loop of pain and fear when he was reliving his childhood trauma of losing his father and then being faced with bullies trapping him in a coffin. He was giving Jean guidance and trying to help Jean open up to Kelly's help in using the virtual reality technology mind palace. And he said, I know that looking into your past can be terrifying. When I did it, I thought I might lose myself for good. But Kelly was right by my side and I came back stronger. So we're seeing all these instances of virtual realities and using them to face kind of like inner demons or go through emotional revelations with the help of other people, which is something that Lena does not have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's also the biggest difference between the way Andrea is marketing her technology and the way A, Kelly is applying it and B, Brainy operates when he uses his own technological resources to create these like alternate realities for people. Like all All of the stuff they showed in Andrea's ad was literally people just alone standing in random spaces, like waving into the air, kind (laughs) of like crazy people. Mm -hmm. And it talked about like socializing and being able to interact and find your friends in her virtual space, but they didn't really actually show any people interacting with each other in the ad. Yeah. It was also just weird seeing people sitting in public places with them on. Using it. Yeah. That was kind of strange. Yeah. I feel like that's a home thing to do. (laughs) Well, it goes back to the idea like Google tried to do that with Google. Google Glass and it failed and they gave up. Yeah. Because no one wants that. I don't think people like to be vulnerable and in like public. In public places. And lose their senses of what's happening around them. No. And certainly not young people given the culture of fear over safety. Yeah. So that's one of those interesting like misconceptions that comes up in the way different media, not just television, but even like news media approaches different kinds of technology. Obsidian's actually going to fail in like a year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they're based on reality, they should. <laughs> but in terms of the VR technology that we see in the show being used as a way to facilitate connection between people. In real life, there has been some interesting research into virtual reality technology as a way to sort of see through another person's eyes. Ha ha ha. With literally and figuratively. You can walk in their shoes. I have a quote here. Research with adults has shown that VR can reduce implicit race bias when users embody an avatar of a different race. That was just a nifty little example. And then we also have it being used for people who have body dysmorphic disorder. They sort of put on the VR goggles and change the body body size of this 3D human figure and like manipulate it so that it represents what they think that their own body looks like. And it says the aim of this area is for participants to become aware of the discrepancies between their ideal appearance, their real body, and their healthy body, as well as how other people perceive them. Hmm. And then we have an interesting example with diagnosing ADHD and tracking eye movement in a virtual classroom. They had researchers see what the person saw moment to moment moment. And apparently researchers gained a better understanding of how children with ADHD experience classrooms because you can kind of track what they are distracted by and how often based on eye movement. And these examples are interesting in terms of like understanding other people, but then understanding also yourself and how other people see you and kind of some self-reflection. And it's also used to practice or like rehearse social interactions for the benefit of people with autism or like social anxiety. I also wonder if it might be helpful for people who have like interpersonal trauma, like CPTSD. So Lena. So Lena, yeah. And being able to sort of confront fears in terms of interpersonal relationships. But what all these studies have in common are that they emphasize 
most frequently the therapist's role in coaching or guiding the patients and how necessary that is to the process. So in terms of like broad takeaways in relation to technology and specifically like virtual reality, more positive results in terms of being healthy tend to occur when you have another actual human person or alien person that you are <laughs> interacting with when using the technology versus, mm. you know, obviously what we're seeing with Lena, who is secluding herself. Yes, in pretty much every possible way. Yeah. Because she's not only secluding herself, she's secluding herself with a piece of technology of her own design. So it already contains all of the same blind spots, flaws, and strains of logic that she does. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to push her in any direction that she's not already comfortable going. Exactly. And then to take a kind of different look at the different technologies we've seen and heard about so far in season five and how they've been employed, we've had a number of characters reference like wanting to gather data or information. Particularly in relation to, you know, improving relationships, which ties back to our connection theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we kind of get this question, does more, so like having more information, always mean a better outcome? And so data gathering companies, both in the show and in real life, as well as sentient AIs will say, yes, obviously <laughs> more information is better. Actual research and the experience of most people who ever have had a social relationship will say no. More information does not always lead to better or more clear communication with others or to more positive outcomes. But in terms of how this idea of does more mean better is manifesting itself in season five, we have Andrea who wants to collect all kinds of information and attention from her potential customers because that will keep them hooked on her products and she'll make more money. We have Brainy who comes to the conclusion that collecting as many facts about Nia as possible is going to enhance their relationship and make him like a more perfect boyfriend, essentially. We have Lena who thinks that making people be excessively honest in all of their communication all of the time is going to lead to a world where people don't hurt each other. And then we also have Kara in this episode with William trying to track down more and more information about the situation with the Rojases and all these assassins and realizing it's not getting them anywhere either. Mm -hmm. So the trouble with this concept is that more sharing and more data can't help you if you don't also have the context and the interpretive skills to know how to apply the information or to even know where to begin to look to find the right patterns. And this is something actually the show presents in the pilot episode from season one when Kara mentions that she's going out on her date and when turns and very bluntly says to her, you know that you can't quantify emotions based on an algorithm. With no agenda at all. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously he had an agenda, but he's totally right. Anything that kind of predicts how well you'll get along with someone in an artificial virtual situation is not going to be accurate because it can't take into account a lot of intangible things. Mm -hmm. And for some kind of real life examples of times where too much information has not actually helped. Google actually tried to create an algorithm that would predict flu outbreaks around the United States several years ago, and it ended up being so wildly inaccurate that they had to scrap the whole project because it would send people into a panic unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. And then similarly, there was an article that came out about a week ago talking about a large health insurance company in the United States that had an algorithm that was 
generating racial bias because it was acting on incomplete information about why people of different races were coming to get medical care and how much they were spending on those services. And ultimately, it was leading to specifically the Black population being underserved and not treated for critical health conditions. So in both of those cases... Having lots of data points, like if you think about the Google one, they were pulling information from all over the internet and social media about people maybe talking about symptoms of illness or incidences of people searching for certain kinds of terms and thinking like, oh, we can just use that and it will be useful to people without realizing that, okay, it's more complicated than that. Having lots of information and also as Brainy discovered a couple episodes ago, doesn't always lead to clarity or to better choices for people. And Similarly, within episode 505, you have Kara and William investigating these assassins and Andrea Rojas and her family, and they keep hitting dead ends, even though they are employing a truth seeker as a form of technology to get true answers. And then when Brainy was being inhabited by the spider creatures, he enabled his own personal polygraph filter to ensure that the spider thing would not be able to lie to them. And so even with all of that technology and Kara's super senses and all their other investigative tools, they still came no closer to finding any useful information. And then, so our other issue with is more better. We have the issue of, okay, more data is not necessarily better and it doesn't get us to a point of clarity or understanding. What about more sharing? Because the other undercurrent of Andrea's whole VR world is that you get to share all your experiences with all of your friends and family, no matter where they are. And you get to share all of your behavioral and biometric data with her. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) How kind. Connecting. <laughs> right? It's like a gift for everyone. But when we apply this idea of more sharing to our communication and to our interpersonal relationships, does that make them better? And so far, the answer appears to be not really either. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Lena is on this quest to disable the parts of the brain that make people maybe deceitful or manipulative. But we also have seen throughout the series that the truth itself is not always best and that it can also be hurtful in ways that maybe you're you're better off not knowing. <laughs> Case in point, last season when Lena kind of trapped Lillian with the truth seeker, Lillian let slip that she does genuinely love her stepdaughter and uh like yay i guess <laughs> it was said with so much spite and like yeah <laughs> regret <laughs> yeah she was like annoyed about the fact mm-hmm. that she admitted it and the whole thing came out really negatively and it certainly didn't make lena feel better yeah and that's something that you know lena probably would think that she would want to know so in terms of like information just because you want to know something and like you want to hear someone say something it's not always the best move for you or for the other person depending well no and especially because lena who's always felt like she's never measured up but she'd want to hear it in a positive way with like i love you and i am proud of you or i support you she says that i think to raya yeah right <laughs> or something to that effect in season two mm-hmm. like her mother never gave her that and so then she finally gets it but it's not at all in a positive way and it's like well did that really make your life better <laughs> which is like if you if you think about information and like algorithm and like something that you can't quite quantify that's a situation that is hard to translate into something that a computer
reader can read because there's so much subtext there. And kind of related to, in terms of like truths that are delivered in maybe a way that isn't good for anyone. Um, <laughs> also, take a look back at Kara in the Red Kryptonite situation in season one. She said and did a lot of things that were maybe honest and her acting on thoughts or feelings or impulses that she'd had. But then when she had the time to think about it, she absolutely was not okay with herself for having done that. Yeah. There are certain things that were positive to come out in some form. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we saw in season three with Cora being made to vent her anger at Monel. Yeah. So some of the information can be positive long term, but you know, obviously it was presented in a way that Cara didn't like. And then some of the information was miscellaneous and uselessly hurtful, like Cara's comments about Lucy. Yeah. In that episode. Or Cara deliberately almost killing Kat just to make a point. Yeah. That ordinarily Cara could have made in a less dangerous and intentionally threatening way. Mm -hmm. And well, even some of the things that she said to Alex were just unnecessarily spiteful. Mm -hmm. And think about, you know, in, in the heat of anger, things that people say that maybe they don't want to say. And Lena wants to take away the filter on people <laughs> <laughs> kind of protecting themselves from their own worst impulses is essentially what she was trying to do. Yeah. But I think she also wants to remove all the impulses. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing in terms of like, is sharing everything all of the time good? And is it necessary? Even Jean has talked about how Martians can share their thoughts, but like nobody's actively paying attention to everything at every moment of the day. Although, as we pointed out, that may just be him. Uh, <laughs> well, he talked about kind of doing this nightly ritual mm. or like enacting this Martian bond. Therefore, it's not something that they're doing all of the time. It's something that they choose to do on occasion. Yeah. Like all the all the information is potentially out there to be shared, but there are boundaries. It's it's like a special process and there are boundaries for when and how you share mm -hmm. it. Speaking of our other theme that we talked about. <laughs> yes. Speaking of boundaries. So essentially this idea, which it seems like maybe Lena is thinking about with this idea of we need to compel people to communicate in a certain way because that will make life better. Doesn't seem like she's necessarily thought through all of the ethics and the consequences of it, which like is par for the course. <laughs> Changing the rules by which people communicate is not actually going to take away the emotions they have about the information they now will receive, mm -hmm. unless you further control how they're allowed to react to it, which is pushing away from like, oh, I'm going to just gently make some changes <laughs> to full on mind control. And I'm like, Lena, are you not seeing the inherent problem? You're not just here? slapping some like, hate on the walls. You're tearing down the foundations there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, once you go to that one step, you kind of can't stop there <laughs> to be like the devil on the shoulder. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if she manages to come to that conclusion or if she does, in fact, say, well, hmm, if I have to control this and that doesn't fix the problem, then that means I also have to control this, which I think will be more likely than the alternative, yeah. just based on Lena's personality. <laughs> yeah. When we talked about in season four, Lena's wish to control things, I didn't anticipate it going this far. <laughs> so those points about technology in terms of connecting to people through like how much information you can access in an Anytime. Rounds out our 
our episode on technology and connection, but we do have some non-topic episode thoughts. Well, kind of related to the the AI development in terms of the storyline, this was an issue the show had last year as well, and I don't really cut it much slack. And it's getting details that you can Google correct that are relevant to a plot point and that are relevant to world building. And this was specifically in terms of Lena and talking about parts of the brain that were being impacted. And she mentioned a part of the brain that has absolutely nothing to do with any of the things that she's attempting to do. It is the part of the brain that controls vision. And that is a bit frustrating just in the sense that it's sloppy. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there was some bad Googling that happened. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, did someone misunderstand like a picture? Because like there are many anatomy pictures you could use. (laughs) The other thing that was kind of like funny in a disorienting way in this episode and also relevant to technology Mm -hmm. as well was the way they used Lex's marathon gun, which number one, I laughed at because he absolutely, it's called marathon to be a pretentious reference to ancient Greece Mm -hmm. because it shoots the distance of the run to the battle of marathon between Athens and Sparta, which is such a Lex thing. Yeah. And also very connected to kind of this association of the Luthers with Greek mythology and Greek symbolism. Mm -hmm. So like we have this gun and it's used to melt a glacier (laughs) Mm -hmm. and sets off like the climate change end times. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like dumb superhero science, but then the climate change end times happens and it's like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) well, it is. It's like a dumb superhero, like silly plot thing. But like, given that the threat of this stuff is like a little too real, (laughs) it's one of those moments where the show is still kind of not being clear on like, is it existing within the bounds of reality or is it fantasy in a way that's a bit confusing to the audience? Because the amount that the glacier was melted is not good for Earth. (laughs) Although in terms of like it being fine after that happened, I wonder if maybe it still isn't. Maybe it's not actually fine. Yeah, because you and I talked about before Leviathan and like possible like end game for them Mm. in relation to Eve in season four and how concerned she was with the fact that Lex was going to waste all the energy from the aliens on destroying Argo. Mm, True. In terms of like energy. And obviously there's the connection between energy and climate change. That's true. I also wonder what Leviathan thought of uh, Rain's plan to terraform the Earth in season three then. (laughs) They're like, oh, good idea. (laughs) Yeah, but I wonder if maybe they succeeded in whatever they were trying to do in that instance, even though the tidal wave was um, dreamered to death. (laughs) The tidal wave that Nia stopped in National City, but I guess also on the whole rest of the coastline (laughs) of the whole Pacific. I actually wonder if maybe a line was cut from Brainy or something about that. Yeah. Aside from that, all that melting, I'm like, so all the gas that they released from that permafrost, like what happened there? Carb sucked in. (laughs) She did. She totally breathed it all in and then refroze everything. It's fine now. And then when she spoke, it was like she had helium and she spoke with a really high voice. You have another technology-related thought. I do. So kind of related to the way Kara was uh, healing Earth's wounds in this episode. <laughs> like she heals the wounds in my heart. I want to know then, can Kara herself be classified as a technology? Because uh, Lex Luthor certainly seemed to think of it that way. <laughs> Actually, technically so did Lena. Oh my god. <laughs> right? Because she did talk about Red Daughter as an it and a weapon. Mm. So, hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go with no, personally, but... 
<laughs> I mean, Kara is a person with agency and uh, <laughs> autonomy. So it's all analog. But what if Kara gets mind controlled? Ooh, then it gets trickier. Mm. Or what if she's put in an emotionally compromising situation like she was in season two when Lillian had her Cadmus and she made her blow out her powers and then harness the energy from her heat vision to make some kind of weapon <laughs> well, thing? Well, when you take water and use it for like hydropower in that machine, it doesn't then become a technology. That is true. Because technically, in order for something to be a technology... It has to come into existence like using knowledge that we've gained about how to potentially solve a problem. Hmm. So Kara herself then technically no. Although Alora <laughs> wanted to solve a problem oh, no. <laughs> when she sent Kara to Earth and then we have the sun plus Kara technology. That's true. Hmm. Mm. So I, I guess we'll find out somewhere later in the season what the answer is. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Maybe that's why Kara doesn't like other forms of technology. Maybe she... <laughs> She's envious. She's... Like Brainy is a technology. <laughs> oh. Questions to have answered. And speaking of questions, we got some questions from you listeners regarding this episode of Supergirl. So one of our first questions came from an anonymous user on Tumblr, and it said, I can't remember the reason why, but why... Why was Kara so angry in this episode? Why was she so adamant about finding Rip Roar? Uh, good question. It's sort of related to some stuff we've talked about, but Kara feels like she doesn't have a solid grip on what's real right now. She said, as we mentioned, and now with Obsidian Tech everywhere, I mean, everyone's just in these make-believe worlds and it's hard to know what's real anymore. And we kind of dived into why Kara thinks it's important to be connected to reality in sort of a meta sense. But also in this episode, her gut instincts were wrong. And Alex notices that she's upset about this and kind of makes sure to reassure her and says, Supergirl, I trust your gut too, as Kara's walking away. And we just talked about in the reporting episode how Kara is usually very good at understanding the people who are around her and following her gut instincts about people as well as situations. That's sort of a kind of foundation that she relies on. And in this episode, she's realizing that she doesn't know who the people around her are. Like, obviously, Andrea possibly connected to some evil plot, but she doesn't know how or why. Even William, who turned out to be nicer than she thought, shakes her up because her read on him was sorely wrong. And there are dire consequences mm. for Kara being wrong about these things. And she talks about in this episode, she says, Lex Luthor had a plan for world domination that felt a lot like this. And that time I was almost too late. So this is another situation where she feels like the world is on her shoulders and she's afraid that she won't be able to you know, bear the load based on her skills because what she thought she was good at and felt confident in, she's not sure she is anymore. And this may be sort of something we see the show play into even more in coming episodes. Might be something of kind of a through line for Kara and her storyline this season. So we'll have to see where that goes. Indeed. So the next question we got is from DM Lancaster from Tumblr. Do you think William and Kara will be a couple? This episode established some common ground for them. Do you think that will be explored next episode and later on? I mean, yes, they're going to explore the common ground that they have found and have them work together. Mm -hmm. That's definitely kind of the point of the reporting story. They're both looking into the same people for the same reasons. That, well, not for the same reasons, but they're both looking into the same people because they're both unsettled by something. Mm -hmm. And we saw that they share some values in this episode. Yeah, some. But they also barely know each other. <laughs> yeah. Car is upset that William turned out to be a nice guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what a hardship. 
I don't know. We'll see. Like, I know that there's this urge to see two characters next to each other when, you know, the main character is single and be like, they're definitely going to be like end game, but we don't really know what's going to happen with these two characters. So we should just wait and see. I mean, we can't really confidently speculate. This is true. So our next question is from Cyclone Rachel on Tumblr, who said, We saw some Nia and Kelly interaction in this episode, which was lovely. But what other Super Friends Space Fam interactions would you like to see going forward? Also, thoughts on Alex having a Pinterest page. (laughs) I would like to see... Oh, I like your answer. I would like to see Alex and Nia interact. That would be fun. I think that would be a lot of fun. Did they interact at the party at Nia's? No. No. (laughs) They didn't, despite the fact that they apparently have mutual acquaintances. That would be fun. That would be fun. Especially, like, Nia has similar car energy sometimes, and then, like, some little differences. It would actually be nice to explore, maybe, through Alex how Nia is a different character from Kara and like Mm, maybe Alex being like, oh, this is different than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? I would kind of like to see more Brainy and Jean. Yeah, I dig it. We actually talked about this before season four like kicked into gear, I think, how they would be cool. Mm. I think it would just be interesting because of the way Jean is so in tune with people in a way that is completely the opposite (laughs) of Brainy's strengths. Mm. Yeah. It would be potentially a good growth opportunity for everyone involved. Yeah, I agree. And thoughts on Alex having a Pinterest page? I think it's completely in character and amazing. I agree. Correct. Alex is like a little bit basic. Rude. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong, but like people use that as an insult. I say with love. She likes like... She likes really conventional things. Popular, like, things you might not expect, like, adult Alex to enjoy just from looking at her. But, yeah, she likes, like, the Kardashians and... Well, and she also has a very clear, like, fashion sense and an aesthetic Mm. sensibility. Like, if you look at the way the set is for her apartment and the fact that she always looks, like, really put together and (laughs) doesn't seem to have those struggles that Kara does, or at least Kara used to, with picking out things. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she was so specific in her details about what kind of motorcycle helmet would match her very fancy motorcycle. (laughs) Yeah, Alex is one of those characters who puts a lot of work into like looking effortless. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I would like to find out what other nifty secrets Kara knows about Alex that maybe she'll reveal (laughs) throughout the course of the season. I mean, when we talk about data (laughs) and how not all the information is always the best, we're we're talking about other people. We want to know all the information about these characters. No, I just liken it to the idea of like the Disney vault. <laughs> like Alex doesn't like to share information about herself directly with people, mm-hmm. but Kara has a wealth of information <laughs> that she's clearly like gleefully ready to give to someone <laughs> who she thinks deserves it. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> so our next question is from another anonymous user on Tumblr. This isn't really about the episode, but how are you continuing to stay positive about the show as a whole? With mixed results. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. This season is not holding my attention particularly well. I think because it is not character focused in the way previous seasons have been. And particularly because the character stuff is not about the main characters directly. And this is something I personally tend to experience kind of towards the end of every season when they get really caught up in having to tie up all the loose plot ends. I tend to kind of be like, okay, nothing exciting is going to happen in terms of like discovering things about people's feelings. But it's it's been an ongoing issue going forward into this season as well in, in a way that's a bit frustrating. 
given how very strongly character focused and character driven the early seasons of the show were. Mm. But in terms of enjoying it, like I definitely still think the episodes are entertaining on a certain level, but it kind of goes back to like the idea that, you know, you'll read a book once for the plot, but you won't read it again unless the characters really grab you. Yeah. So like there's definitely stuff that's really fun. Like the random Pinterest detail was delightful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that stuff is sort of why I don't get bogged down in kind of disappointments about the show, both because right now I'm in a mindset where I'm kind of like waiting to see where things go because I still feel like it's early in the season and I kind of have some expectations about how things may turn in an interesting way that I'm hoping for. But also in terms of like in a fandom sense, little details like that can mean a lot for engaging with the material in a way that goes beyond what the material is giving you in still a positive way. But I mean, we still like talk about criticisms we have for the show and when we're disappointed with something. Having other people to watch it with does also help make it fun to kind of go back to this idea of connecting. (laughs) Yes. And then I also created my own entire separate fantasy alternate universe. <laughs> Speaking of virtual realities. Speaking of virtual realities. Um, um. Cope with technology. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're trying yourself to get in a frame of mind where you do feel positive about the show so that you can enjoy it, maybe try not to assess whether or not something is good or bad constantly as it happens and kind of just absorb it in entertainment sense and a character sense, which is not to say that you can't analyze it, which is the fun part for me. So that's just my little advice there. And our final question is from another anonymous user. Not so much a question, but more of a general ask to discuss the progression of Kelly on the show. I am pleased she's forging connections outside of Alex. Also, side note, that motorcycle helmet is expensive. Like, Kara, I know you mean well, but that helmet costs more than most pieces of jewelry. (laughs) Let's address the the motorcycle helmet thing first. Yeah. So this is something I think maybe a lot of consumers generally don't realize, but product placement in pieces of media is not extended to like really obvious things where you see logos. All the clothing that's placed in episodes of television, name drops of specific brand names or products, those are all Mm. ads. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And so this was probably because it was so specific, like you can Google it and find Mm. this helmet, which I'm sure is what they wanted. (laughs) So that much like the conspicuous placement of Apple devices was very likely related to advertising in some way. It could also be just somebody's really into motorcycle gear. (laughs) Also true. Because of that, I don't necessarily think of prices that you can find by actually looking up what they're wearing as canon. Yeah. But that's, you know, your mileage may vary there. But if that helmet was expensive. It was funny. The helmet was expensive enough that I was like, no, that's a reasonable gift, but not for when you've only been dating for like a month and a half (laughs) that would be like after maybe a year and then you're like so i'm not getting you anything again (laughs) for months like (laughs) that's that's it this is it but on the flip side i do love that kara was like ready with Mm -hmm. like to be helpful and had the answer fully prepared she got this big smile left her mouth before like (laughs) (laughs) she started answering before kelly finished asking the question yes (laughs) which i'm like i would love to see kara's like internet history because it definitely includes like how do i become ordained online (laughs) (laughs) yes and i guess that takes us to a section of this question that discusses kelly herself kelly and how she's forming relationships and connections outside of alex on the show 
which might be like one of the strongest mm. aspects of the show right now. Yeah, the integration of her as a character has been really nicely done, especially in comparison to how they've introduced characters in the past where they're maybe boxed into only getting to interact with one or two characters in isolation. Yeah, I think a good move for them was adding Kelly to the Kako building. Yes. But also not like making her work a caco, which Yeah. Which would have strained credulity a little bit too much. <laughs> it's like like how Lucy became a lawyer and randomly became the catco's lawyer. They're like, we need a psychologist for a psych column. She could write advice columns. Yeah. Ask Kelly. <laughs> I want to see Kara and Kelly together writing an advice column. I feel like that would be really funny. Oh, that would be you know how we had like the Maggie and Kara solve a problem episode? The Kelly and Kara solve a problem, but they're like trying to figure out how to help somebody would be interesting. Oh, true. Yeah, I definitely like how well she's been, A, integrated into the network of characters that have already been established, and also how well she has been integrated into the plot. Mm -hmm. Another area where love interest characters suffered considerably when they tried this back a couple seasons ago. So, yeah, it was nice, particularly in this episode, to see Kelly interact with Nia, Mm. which, you know, Rachel mentioned, but it was kind of an unexpected dynamic, but it worked pretty well and and made sense because they're in the same building and like and i think they're doing a pretty good job with kelly yeah and i also kind of liked that the relationship stuff that we saw in this past episode both from alex's point of view and then kelly the reveal at the end about how she had like traumatic triggers based on seeing alex out protecting people when the tidal wave was coming it's both about their relationship and it's not Mm mm-hmm like it's still tied to personal stuff and or work stuff that they're both dealing with separately. So like that's also good. Yeah. There's more context and they exist as people outside of that relationship. Well, that's kind of the difference between season two and season three with Kara and Monel dynamic. Mm-hmm. How yeah. Kara's relationship with Monel wasn't really about her as a character in, in any kind of deep way until season three when they connected it to her core trauma so they have some interesting like emotional stuff going on with kelly i would like to see some interesting stuff emotionally with our core characters yeah yeah that'd be great (laughs) okay so that wraps up our episode covering dangerous liaisons episode five season five and technology and communication we will be back with another episode next week if you'd like to send us feedback or questions after next sunday's episode feel free to reach out to us on twitter tumblr or instagram and for questions that we'll address in the podcast please try to send them by 10 p.m eastern on mondays because we usually record on monday night Mm -hmm. and outside of that don't forget that you can also save our podcast in any podcasting app that you use so feel free to go hit us up on itunes google play or your app of choice and thanks for listening